Well, welcome everybody to Salem Heights Church. We're so thankful you could join us today to worship together, to get into God's word. If you're new with us, we wanna thank you for joining us and will you please let us know uh, that you came. You can drop us a note at info at salemheightschurch.org and let us know that you joined us. We'd love to tell you more about our church uh, later. We wanna say this to all you who have served in our armed forces, Veterans Day is coming up, we wanna thank you. Thank you for serving our country and ladies, Please, as registration for uh, Women's Retreat has been ongoing, we would love for you to join. Even if you can't be there, you can do the live feed with all the ladies as that unfolds uh, this upcoming weekend. So thank you so much for joining us this morning. We pray that as we go to worship now that you'll be blessed. Stands be 
I know who stands behind the God of angel armies is always by my side the one who reigns forever he is a friend of mine the God of angel armies is always by my side I know who goes before me I know who stands behind the God of angel armies 
Father, you are worthy of every bit of praise today. And we are so thankful that you have made yourself known to us. And for those of us who know your son personally, the one who died on that cross for us, we are so thankful that we have life today because of him. God, we love you. We want to serve you. We want to follow you. And I pray that you would help us in these days to be a light shining in the darkness because we know there is darkness. And even this week reminds us of that. And so we would pray that you would help us um, as we move forward to have a good testimony of who you are in our lives because we know the world is watching. So God, I pray that you would help us now in the way that we interact with one another and the way that we interact and treat uh, those that may not even know you. God, I pray that we would draw them in, that you would draw them in with the love that we show for them. And so we're so thankful again for this time. We look forward to looking into your word now. In Christ's name, we pray all these things. Amen. Well, good morning, church. It's so good to be with you again. And if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to take them out and find the book of Acts in the New Testament, chapter 1 is going to be our text today, and I'm here with Pastor Justin, and we're in week two of our series, Where'd You Go? And I thought it'd be good just to kind of maybe reset what this series is about yeah. and what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, our goal uh, is to ask the question, where did you go three different ways? And week one, uh, we said, where did you go to church? And we highlighted the value of being in fellowship and what that actually means. And then week two, we're asking the question, where did you go as a witness? The idea that we're not just supposed to be in cloistered groups uh, to huddle and cuddle, we're actually supposed to go out and share the gospel. So where did you go as a witness and what did that witness look like? And then week three, where did you go? Uh, we're asking the question as we look at people, where, where did you go when the going got tough all of a sudden you disappeared. Yeah. And some people are saying, where did my faith go? I thought I had faith, but now the hardship came and it, it actually it feels like my faith disappeared. Mm -hmm. And that third week, we really don't want people to come in and be crushed or overwhelmed by that. We just want to bring a medic bag and say, in, in times like these, how do I move from a faith that has faltered yeah. to a faith that's flourishing? Yeah. So. Today we're going to focus on this idea of witness, and uh, we see this in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 1, and I would love for you to join me as I read it out loud, starting in verse 6. It says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Yeah. Uh, this word witness we see here, and, and we wanted to do real quick is to show a video made by the Bible Project that unpacks that a little bit more and kind of maybe will give us a, a, a better idea of what this word means. So yeah. let's take a look at that video. When you hear the word witness, you might think of someone who sees something shocking or important and then shares their testimony with others. The word witness is used like this in the Bible too, but here's what's really fascinating. This word actually helps us understand the entire storyline of scripture. In the Bible, a witness is basically someone who sees something important or amazing. 
In Hebrew, this person is an aide, and in Greek, a martus. And if this person begins to share what they've seen, we call this bearing witness, in Hebrew, oud, and in Greek, martyreo. So in the story of Ruth, when Boaz buys land from Naomi's family, he calls together witnesses to see the transaction so that if there's a later dispute about the land, they can bear witness about what they saw. So that's the basic meaning of the word witness. Now, if we follow this idea throughout the Bible, we learn that God wants a group of witnesses, people who see and experience him to ood or represent him to the world. So beginning with the story of the Exodus, the people of Israel witness Yahweh as the powerful king of the nations when he rescues them from slavery. Then he appoints this one nation to bear witness or ood to the rest of the nations about what they experienced. He calls them a kingdom of priests or people who connect all other nations to Yahweh, the true God and king. But there's a big problem. The Israelites aren't good witnesses. In fact, they start worshiping other gods. So God raises up a chief witness, Moses, to ood or bear witness to the people who are supposed to be the real witnesses. When Moses meets with Yahweh on Mount Sinai, he sees and experiences God face to face. When he comes down, he ooods, he bears witness to the people about his experience. He even writes a song as a witness so that they would never forget how God has cared for and rescued them. But as the story goes on, Israel does forget. They fail to truly see God, so they fail as his witnesses. So God raises up prophets who are like Moses to ood, to open their eyes to who their God really is. Like Isaiah, he has a vision of God as the cosmic king, and he's sent to ood to bear witness to the Israel of his day because they're blind, they're corrupt, and they don't recognize God as their king. So Isaiah says that one day, God will raise up the ultimate chief witness, a figure called the servant. He will open the eyes of the blind so that they can truly see Yahweh and bear witness to the nations that their God is the king who will rescue the world. And now, when we turn to the story of Jesus, we find him claiming to be that servant and witness spoken of by Isaiah. He's the ultimate witness, or in Greek, the martus. Crowds of people witness him saying that he's bringing God's kingdom, that it's here right now through him. They see Jesus healing people, even restoring sight to the blind. Many recognize who he is and respond to his message, but many others still refuse to truly see. Even the nation's leaders won't listen to him. Rather, they kill Jesus for bearing witness to God's kingdom, that is, for being a martus. In fact, this is where the word martyr comes from. But then, after Jesus' death, something amazing happens. Jesus' friends see him alive from the dead, and they recognize that he is the divine king, Yahweh himself, who has come to rescue the world. After that, Jesus sends them out to martyreo, that is, to bear witness to the nations, to open their eyes to this risen king who has conquered death and who offers freedom and rescue and the hope of a new creation. And it's this story about Jesus that's been spread all around the world by faithful witnesses. And to this day, when someone hears the story of Jesus and experiences the love of God for all humanity, the most natural thing to do is to simply bear witness. Well, I love these videos because they, they really do like, take us from Old Testament to New and really help us understand yeah. how this word They're witness, valuable. 
comes up. But uh, one of the things that is interesting is what that word means in the Greek language and then how it's used in the New Testament. Tell us a little bit more about kind of the different ways that we see this word witness used in Scripture. Yeah, in fact, I, I think I want that to be our main focus for this morning. Let's just take a look at three different aspects of it. And in Acts 1, and people might be interested to know, we're going to finish this series, and we're going back to the book of Acts. So yeah. when COVID hit and we ended up in lockdown, we were headed into Acts chapter 13. Yeah. We've taken a hiatus from that. Yeah. So seven months later, we're back, baby. It's, it. <laughs> it's time to go. But uh, we're going to go back into the book of Acts. This is going to help us be uh, remind us of what the energy was behind this book. Right. But he says, you're going to be my witnesses. And he tells them... I'm not just going to have you be a witness at home if somebody kind of drifts by, you know, and they really force you, what are you living for? He's saying, you're going to be my witnesses. And the implication is there's some energy inside you and you can't wait. You've just seen an amazing thing. You're going to run and tell people, but you're not just going to tell them here. You're going to tell them in the outskirts. You're going to tell them into the far regions. There's an energy that is going out. So what does that word witness mean? What would they have heard when they heard that word witness. That's yeah. what we want to look at. And and I think for you and I, when somebody that's listening is going to hear the word witness, there's some folks that grew up in a church where they did like Wednesday witnessing, right? right, right. And what they heard was, I'm going to go knock on doors and I'm going to be nervous and bored. Right. I have a script that, I mean, I want to tell about Jesus because I want to be honorable. Yeah and get that done. But as far as the energy coming out of me that this just organically is part of a conversation I have at work or on the highway or, you know, in the, the grocery store, it's not how it's happening. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing this and I feel a burden. I feel shame if I haven't shared these four spiritual laws. Sure. So that's what they might be hearing, but that's not the way that the word witness was heard by those men. Yeah, and I really enjoyed our time studying what that word means because we, we kind of see three different ways that that yeah. word witness is used. Uh, so tell us about the first one. Yeah, the first one is that a witness is somebody who tells others about what they have seen or experienced. Yeah. And the implication is pretty strong that this experience has left a mark. Mm -hmm. It's significant. And it's not just, I'm going to tell you about this experience because I have to, but it's like, the experience is so energizing, you can't help it. It just wait. comes out. Yeah. yeah. I was telling you, um, you know, kind of how I see this in the world of Christianity, but I was reflecting on something that happened to me when I was a kid. Um, you know, every young man thinks that he's already tough and ready to take on the world. One of the things that my brother and I decided was that we knew enough about uh, hunting, fishing, and survival that we could survive on our own for a period of time. So we had told my dad, we actually convinced him that we could take a four-day float down through this roadless section of the, the Umpqua or where there would be no access to adults, um, uh, that he could help us you know, pack for the trip. But we would go for four days, float 26 miles of uh, river just fishing for bass. And you were how old? And I was 13. <laughs> so yeah, I'm one of the oldest guys on the trip, right? Yeah, so... Um, yeah, my brother's 11, and we take off for four days, no adults, three nights, camping on the river, pulling over whenever we got tired and just making camp, yeah. fishing for bass, eating some stuff that we caught, but also a bunch of stuff that we brought along with us. And there was one moment in there that we've told everybody about, but on the first day, we had this guy with us, Curtis. Uh, 
he had never been on the river. He was born in the city. He had no idea about anything. Uh, and we had just had... Sounds like the type of guy you take on a trip. It was so awesome. The very first day, he's, he's got all of his gear in the center of his boat, and he has no idea where to put even the oars. He didn't know about the oar locks. So he's on the front of his boat trying to catch up to us. And he's like, guys! And he's rowing, and the, his boat is just doing this, you know, weird angly thing all the way down the river. We, we would preach to him all the time, hey, if we get to a rapid, wear your life jacket. Well... We come to this one section of river, and uh, we hadn't been watching to make sure everyone's putting on life jackets, but all of a sudden, you could hear this rumble a long ways before you could see anything. So there's a lot of water that's moving, and uh, we head into a rapid, and it's massive, and we haven't checked if everyone has their life jacket on. Well, a few of us <laughs> didn't. And there's this, all the water's moving to this wall, and it's got this standing wave, and yeah. all of a sudden, we, Aaron and I know how to get through there, so we get through... My cousin gets through, another friend gets through, but we get down uh, to the end and Kurt is the last guy and he has moved because of fear from the front of the boat to the back of the boat. So it's doing this and, and he gets all the way down there and he gets to the top of this giant wave and I'm like, he's gonna make it. And the, the boat is going up and all of a sudden it just goes backwards and he tumbles into this undertow. Yeah. His stuff is all gone. Oh, his gear starts popping up, the boat pops up no Kurt. And then yards, you know, it felt like 150 yards downstream, but he's way downstream. All of a sudden popping up like a wet cat is Kurt sputtering and everything. He'd curled up into a ball like we told him to do. And he pops up down there. Now this experience was radical for us. Yeah. So when we get done, even though we knew it could actually impact whether or not we could ever do this trip again. Right. When we get out and we start telling people about the trip, this moment, everybody knew about it. <laughs> Curtis had survived. I mean, it was a yard sale. All of his stuff got soaked. Right. Uh, we had a lot of comical adventures after that. Sure. But that one moment, everybody knew because it was an experience so rich to us, so vivid. We just started shouting it out. We didn't care if you knew. Right. If you had a boat, we told you our story. If you were going on the river, we told you our story. We just... That story just came out of us, and uh, because we're so captivated by it, other people would at least pay attention, sure. you know, give you the time of day. I see this idea of witness as that. Something has happened and left such a rich mark on you, you can't help but express it. Yeah, and I think that's what Jesus is saying to them as before he heads back to heaven. They've all seen him on the cross. Yeah. Now they've seen him alive they touched his body they they know that he has truly done yes. what he said he was going to do that left a mark on them that that changed them completely yeah. from these scared men who all deserted him in the garden as he was arrested to now these yeah. bold men and on whom the lord would use to build and launch his church yeah. and so now he's like i want you to go out and tell everybody of what you've seen and experienced yeah i, I think a good question though came up, but what if you haven't had that kind of energy? Like it hasn't so filled you up that you just naturally want to tell what would you do? Yeah. And, and you. That's my express, story. Yeah. I mean, I think growing up in a Christian home, getting saved at a young age, and having a very comfortable life, I yeah. mean, not having anything that really rocked my faith, it becomes familiar, it becomes comfortable. Yeah. And I remember uh, going many years, even into adulthood, where um, I believed, uh, I would call myself a Christian, but I didn't necessarily feel this like, mm, I got to go tell everybody about what Christ has been doing in me. 
And the thing that kind of helped me yeah. was um, being invited to that first mission trip. And, and I go to the Philippines, and yeah, I'm completely, completely out of my comfort zone, completely out of what I know. And I got to experience God in a new and fresh way. I got to see him do things that um, I, he is doing currently where I yeah. live too, but outside of the context of what's familiar, it just became vivid. And it motivated me to come back and it just changed the way I, I saw others yeah. and what I wanted to tell them about what God had done for me. And I think that's been our experience um, in our missions program here at the church is wanting people to go outside of their comfort zone, see God at work in a way that really is vivid and bright against the yeah. backdrop of maybe loss or poverty or brokenness. And then just have that light of fire that brings us home and drives us to be a witness at home. And I think also the experience that you would register to me was, you had, by the way, I, I knew you before you yeah. did those trips. Yeah, yeah. You still had a deep faith. Sure. But it, like you said, it just wasn't registering on this scale. It's not just about being emotional, but there was something there that caused you to want to tell me about it. But when we said, hey, the mission program is important here. Yeah. You said, I get it because I had this, ex it just came right out of you. Totally. I had this experience, but also there was a part where you, for the first time, were able to use one of your skills to bless them. I remember you telling us about basketball, where I was able to go use something that God had uh, given me as a passion. Yeah, right. And I used that in a way that could share the gospel. And I thought, for the first time, this is powerful. Yeah, I saw the connection. Because here's the reality. We don't share the things that don't impact us. It's true. And so the fact is, is that uh, when we experience God, and this is consistent throughout Scripture, yeah. we cannot experience God and not have to tell somebody. It will do a work in us that it's just going to come out of us. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's the first way we see witness used is, is in that. Yeah, and then the second way that that word witness is used throughout the, the New Testament, but also in the Old, is that a witness is somebody who, whose presence quickens the conscience or tells a story. It reminds people to do right. Yeah. And by, by quickens the conscience, um, here, here these guys are going to go and be my witnesses. Uh, they're going to share something, but also they're going to set up little enclaves of Christianity. Wherever they go, there's going to be Christian communities. And people would see that, and they would see what they stood for, and it would it would tell a, a story. Um, I was talking about if you're in downtown Salem and somebody it, it, it wants to do harm or wants to mug you, and you look across the street and you see somebody that's official, a police officer or a, a security guard or... Um, somebody that has an air of authority and they're across the street and you could say, hey, look right over there. Just knowing that there was somebody that would witness that causes the individual who wants to do wrong to change their thinking. Sure. Or you would use the well, idea of it. Just yeah. In the school setting, because I, yeah. I was a teacher for a long time, it's just in the lunchroom or any place, you know, like where there's a lot of kids gathering and maybe it's a little bit outside of the routine of structure. You'd always have a teacher on duty, maybe out in the playground or yeah. Just monitoring and just their presence, you know, by walking around, hopefully made you think twice before yep. you maybe did something you knew you weren't supposed to do. Yeah, their presence was uh, a witness. The idea of it telling a story, a mm -hmm. little bit, we, we were in New York a while ago and um, out of Pennsylvania, this group of Amish folks have begun moving into that area because they had cash. They're buying up um, cash strapped farms. 
they're organic farmers. And so you look out in this field and there's a bunch of people, little guys, you know, kids, straw hats, coveralls, walking through picking bugs off because they're organic farmers, uh, picking the bugs off of things. And when you would go by, you would ask somebody, hey, what are they doing? Who, where, is this a, a, what community is this? They would tell you who they were, how they came to buy the farm because they had cash and, and they listed it universally as a wise way of living so that they could pay for it. They told their story, mm. but their presence, the way that they lived, other people could say these are the values that they live by. Yeah. And that still happens today. Right. Christians are supposed to be that different from the world. That the way they live is a witness to others that if you live this way, this is how it turns out. Mm -hmm. And our values should be on display. Absolutely. Yeah. So we see those first two. Uh, but we also, there's a third one that kind of uh, pops out of Scripture, how this word witness is used. What's yeah. That? The third thing is when a group of witnesses have said something significant, they can leave a witness. Uh, they, they can take, uh, in some situations in the Old Testament, a stone, and they would tip that up. And anytime they would go buy it, they say, this would be a witness to you. Or they would write down those things. Sometimes it was scripture that had been written. So God told them, I want you to write this down. It'll be a witness to you. Right. So the witnesses would write down a witness. And every time you read it, it would remind you of what had happened or remind you of a truth. Yeah. So it would be a manuscript or a monument that highlights a moment. Yeah, We kind of saw that in the video where it talks about Boaz and when he buys the yes. land. He brought other people around as a witness in case there was ever confusion or disagreement. Well, no, these other people could testify to what had actually happened. Yeah, and um, when uh, Laban and Jacob are separating and they have to be in different places, right? And Jacob is uh, going to go his way. Laban says, we're going to set up this rock mitzpah and let it be a witness mm -hmm. against you. The Lord's witness, you treat my daughters right, live in a certain way, and I won't come past it without remembering yeah. we made this oath. And you don't come back towards me without remembering that we've made this oath. So it was there. Our modern equivalent would be a ring. Yeah. So we get married. And this ring is intended not just to be a witness to others. I've made a de I've, I'm dedicated to one woman. Yeah. But it's also a reminder to you, wherever you go, if if you're going into some other location, this you you this hand is always in front of you, to remind you I've made a commitment to this uh, wife and to this family. Am I honoring that commitment? And it's yeah. a witness to you to remember those vows. Right. So we see this in scripture that yeah. witness is a significant word. Um, it's it comes from a Greek word that we get the word martyr from. Yeah. And, and this idea of someone who is is testifying in a way, and oftentimes when we think of martyrdom, we think of someone who has stood with Christ in in, the, in some place or circumstance where that has cost them their life. Absolutely. And they lay it down, and yet they can't help but tell of what God has done because their their experience with God, yeah. their exposure to His Word the work that he has done in their lives, they have to share that. I think that's actually something we just should pause on. Yeah. We have a word here that we're using as witness, that God says, you will be my witnesses. Um, Martha, you're going to actually be, it became martyrs. Yeah. You're going to be my martyrs. And it became, the word martyr when it's transliterated, became the picture of somebody who would die, not just somebody who would give testimony. Right. But you testify by saying, my life was worth it? Yeah. 
How serious is this commission where Jesus says, I'm not giving you a job that I want you to go and die. I'm saying you're going to be so enthralled with this truth, you won't even let death stop you from sharing it. Right. He's saying what you've just experienced is so life-giving. You're going to tell it to the world. He's just prophesying where it's going to go. Right. But he's not saying, I want you to screw up the courage to do this. That courage is in you because of what God has done. Right. And so he's, he's calling these apostles now to go out and be his witnesses. Yeah. These are the men who will be the, the foundational members of the church. Yep. And through time, as those men begin to tell of what God has done for them through sending his son Christ... Uh, to die on the cross for their sins, be buried and rose again, now saving man, giving mankind his spirit, and now causing newness of life, victory over sin, men and women begin to tell that story to future generations. And through that, many of them have been martyred. But it's interesting that Isn't this that word, we were talking about this word witness and martyrdom. Why is that the engine that has led to God's church growing in all circumstances, in all centuries, no matter the opposition? Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually something we should spend some time uh, in our churches, uh, our small groups, our home groups discussing because there is something significant about the idea that this message is worth my life. Yeah. Um, Tertullian had a, a phrase that had been out of Latin kind of translated this way, that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Uh, in his apologetics, um, Souter translated it this way, we Christians spring up in greater numbers the more that we are mown down by you. That's those who are opposed. The blood of the Christians is the seed of new mm -hmm. life. Um, I, that thought for me, that, once again, that's that final picture of leaving a monument. Where they fell, they would put a monument, but many times they would bring those bodies back, bury them, and that would be an inspiration for others to go and give their life. Why is that so foundational? I'm just gonna say in, in the US for many of us, we haven't found anything that's worth giving our life for. Mm -hmm. In fact, there are some people that are saying there's nothing that's worth giving your life for. Live your life uh, for pleasure or for personal fulfillment or whatever it is. But Christ is saying, I want you to see me for who I am and when that's the case, you're, you're gonna be so energized, it's worth giving your life yeah. for. Some people have a story like mine where uh, my extended family immigrated from places where they did have to give their yes. life. And I have a testimony in my family heritage um, of family members in Russia who had to flee because of faith. And yeah. there was martyred. I have of distant relatives who I've been told about who were burnt at the stake or sent away to Siberia because of their faith. And yet a, a small contingent was able to escape. And then they eventually get to yeah. America when you hear those stories of what they went through, but yet how they they were willing to give their life to pass on to the next generation their faith. It's amazing. When I hear that, it's like, man, I want to I want to continue that. I want to continue to pass that forward because it, it is worth it. Because if they if they had say, you know what, this is just too difficult, perhaps I'm not sitting here as a follower of Jesus Christ. It's true, generationally. And I think that's true for all of us. Whether yep. your family came from another country to escape religious persecution, or you you know you don't have that. There have been every Christian has to make sacrifices to stand with the Lord against the world. And, and for people that are saying, does my life make a difference or can I leave a legacy? We're, we're, we're both sharing stories behind the scenes yeah. 
where because of decisions our family members have made, we took courage, investigated Christ, and see that same yeah. goodness. You had a couple of questions, though, that yeah. came up as a result of this. Yeah. What, what were those? Uh, the first question is, what would stop us then from being a witness? And what would stop us today from, from being one who is, I've got to share my experience, or I'm going to live my life in a way that, man, it really stands out that there's something driving me that's not earthly. Yeah. Or perhaps it's I'm living my life in a way that I'm pointing to I'm pointing to moments and monuments and milestones where God has done something yeah. and it's part of who I am, it's part of my story. Yeah, how would you answer that? I think for me it, it comes down to this. If if I'm not living my life as a witness, it's probably due to one of two things a lack of exposure or a lack of experience. Yeah. Meaning it's been I, I have something has drawn my attention away. From the Word of God, where God speaks to me and reveals this truth and reminds me of His grace, reminds me of His mercy, reminds me of my purpose. Yeah. Or possibly, I have been focused more on my comforts and my faith hasn't been tested or I haven't been in circumstances where I've allowed myself to see God work through me or see God work around me. Yeah. And I think those two things can cause me maybe to sit here and go, well, I see I'm, I'm supposed to be a witness, but... I'm just, I haven't done it, or I'm unwilling, or it doesn't seem, I think that's probably the two things that come to mind, a lack of exposure or a lack of experience. And that lack of exposure, uh, when we started working with folks on the street, when we started doing missions, when we started all of these different things, our prayer was that we would go from a, a group of people that really love to read a good story. We wanted to hear about those things happening someplace to actually be in a group that were living the story. Yeah, right. And this last week, both you and I have had an opportunity to see Matt and Josh be bold. They're doing a fundraiser, you know, yeah. during the time frame that uh, we're filming this. Yeah. Um, but when we talk about lack of exposure, if you want to see real life change, it, we have examples of that all around our church of people who've been transformed. Yeah. And you spend a few moments with them and instead of them glorifying themselves, I was with them as they were hearing that somebody else got saved and they're beginning to weep. Totally. And they're seeing the beauty of life change going on to another individual. And instantly, I just want to tell people about that moment. Totally. And so a lack of exposure, I think the invitation that we would make is if you're, if you're one of those individuals that says, I, I haven't been exposed, I haven't been stirred, right. we're inviting you, come and join us in some of these places where that kind of moment happens on a weekly basis. You're running into people whose lives are changed and we want you not just to come uh, and have an emotional moment, but we want you to be stirred by the Spirit of God to see what is real and to live out what is real. That faith that I think is inside believers that sometimes is asleep is awoken in that moment. And I, I believe the Spirit of God creates a craving in us to go and have that experience, yeah. to be able to share it with others. It will either it will change the way you see God, yep. it will change the way you see other people, and it will cause you to reevaluate your priorities. It does. And that kind of leads to the second question is like, what then do my actions show I value? Because yeah. um, what comes out of me is going to be an expression of what I truly value or what has my attention. And I think that's when we just sit in the room and say, say la. Yeah. Right? I don't think we have to unpack that. No. I think already there's enough conviction that comes with that. Yeah. The, big, the biggest thing that I would warn yeah. is uh, for people that hear that question, what does my life say I value? 
we can focus on the shame of it. Um, let's not stay there. If you have conviction because of a belief, let it go through conviction to a life change. But God's right at the door. That, that moment of conviction is intended to lead you to a life of transformation. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap up our time this morning, if, if last week the question was, where did you go? Like, who are you gathering with? Yeah. This morning, it's, where did you go? Who has seen your witness? Who have you been living your witness out in front of? Because, again, what we see in Scripture is this word witness is going to be kind of lived out by a person who is telling others of what God is doing in their life and around them. Yep. A person who's living differently uh, because of a relationship with Christ. Yeah. And that's a witness to the community that sees them. They're going to be people who elevate the Word of God. Yeah. They're going to be people who, when they talk about it's God's key. Word, they talk about it with joy and sweetness and acceptance rather than reluctance and bitterness. And they're going to be people who leave behind the mark. Uh, they have a life, a legacy that has been lived out, not for their own glory, but for His. Yeah, I think that's where we leave it. Yeah. So yeah. let me pray for us as we wrap up our yeah. time this morning. Father God, I just thank you for uh, this passage and kind of the opportunity to do a word study this morning with our church and just to consider once again, what does it mean to be a witness for you? God, I thank you that you've called us to be people who don't have to come up with creative ways of how to share who you are and what you've done. We just need to tell our story, God. And God, for those who may be watching, who maybe don't feel like they have a story, don't feel like there's anything significant that they can point to, I pray this morning that they would uh, draw close to your word and that you would allow them to maybe join in into some of these activities that are opportunities to serve, opportunities to get out of their comfort zone. And God, that they would see you in a new and fresh mm-hmm. way and that that would be part of their story, God, as it has been in my life. But God, we want to be faithful to We want to leave a legacy of a people who love your word, who love you, and who want to leave a legacy for the next generation, that it's worth it to follow Jesus. So God, help us be a church who has a witness that glorifies you, and help us to be people now who do that for you. We pray this all in your son's beautiful name.